This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome to Draft Sickos on the No Ceilings NBA YouTube channel and the No Ceilings NBA podcast feed. This is the show where we talk about everybody from the biggest names to the deepest of sleepers. And back on the show this week, it's Jam Hines. Jam, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Happy to be tagged back in here tonight. I appreciate you having me back on. Yeah, well, this is one of those episodes where I I, I kind of put myself in a tricky uh, position with the the column that I was going with for this week. And I was like, I got a lot of deep cut guys. I got to talk about who's, who's the guy that knows every player inside and out. That's that's Jam Hine. So I had to have you back. Too kind. Too kind. <laughs> uh, so very, very excited to have you here again. Um, we are going to lead it off talking about PJ Hall this week from Clemson. So he had a bit of a slow start to conference play six ten senior, um, and now he is kind of back, back to cooking against North Carolina. I uh, had 25 points was four of 10 from the three point line, nine rebounds and three assists in that game. Um, PJ Hall is a guy that's, that's sort of been in that depending on who you are. I mean, I, I know, you know, ceilings and, and me personally, I've been a fan. I've had him kind of late first, uh, throughout this draft cycle. Um, a lot of mainstream outlets have more as a second round guy. Uh, but I, I've been a big fan of him throughout the season, but recently he's sort of hit this cold streak, the three point percentage, it's down to 31%. So great to see him get that shot back going against North Carolina. Um, Jam, what's sort of your, your temperature with PJ Hall at this point? And are you sweating, uh, the sort of downtick in three point percentage at all? I think we're really in lockstep with PJ Hall. I know you were someone that liked him a lot coming into this year, especially what he did going through the um the combine process and all the pre-draft stuff as well that was one of my concerns too just to kind of the downtick in three-point shooting for him this year 
Um, one thing that in general has really got me concerned, obviously the drop uh, down, but the catch and shoots, he's 31% this year after shooting 39% last year. And then also uh, what really has given me the pause uh, for concern with him right now is the unguarded threes. Mm-hmm. So last year, he shot 42% on 38 attempts. Do you imagine these are kind of more of the wide open varieties? Obviously, when I look at it from an NBA perspective, those probably some corner threes. He's going to get a lot of open threes. And those are the ones you really want to knock down, especially for a stretch big. And then this year, he's shooting 32%. So there is a drastic shift down. But in that North Carolina game, as you mentioned, he came out firing and was aggressive, mm-hmm. picking pops. You couldn't tell that he's been in the slump, you know, so I love to really see that in that type of mentality. And I really do believe he is one of the better shooting bigs in the class. So long term, I do believe in the shot. I do as well. Yeah. And I, I think the fact that he's um, kind of built up a, a solid track record, like between last year and this one. So like if you want to kind of elongate that sample size a little bit, he's still at around 35% in total over the last two seasons. Um, I think something else that has me a little bit optimistic, like you mentioned, the the unguarded, it's like that's the stuff that you really want to see because those are the shots that he's going to get a lot at the next level. But I do like the fact that just looking at synergy on on plays where he's the pick and roll kind of pop man, he's he's 35% on those. So that's at least nice to see that like something he's going to be asked to do at the next level a lot is just screen, get his feet set and knock those down. So like at least that's something that I can kind of point to as a, as a bright spot for him. Um I do still think he's made enough other improvements as well um, that I don't want to say he can, it's going to be tough for PJ Hall. If he's not like a good shooter at the NBA level, like if he's a below average, agree. Shooter, the, the case kind of falls apart. So he's really got to be there. But I do think the improvements that he's made as both a passer and a rim protector are going to help him stay in a rotation when he does go through a slump like this at the next level. Um, Cause I think there are some guys where, the shooting is is kind of everything, and we're going to talk about one of those guys later on. Um, that like they go cold, and then their their usefulness is just kind of depleted. Uh, where with PJ Hall, at least you know he's going to rebound. He's gotten much better at um, kind of steering opponents and and protecting the rim and drop coverage and just protecting the rim as a whole. Always had a strong chest around the basket, but now it's it's he's just more effective in general on the defensive end in, in terms of making guys miss. In terms of uh popping off the floor and blocking shots uh guys are shooting what was it yeah 36.8 percent at the rim against him in the half court this year which is a really good number for a big um and he's a good decision maker he's gonna keep the ball moving so he's not one of these guys that um if he goes cold is completely without skill and yeah, and I and I just like how he how he passes. There's there's other stuff he can do on the court, I guess, if he goes through a cold stretch. Um, where do you kind of think his percentage needs to be at the next level as a three point shooter? I think it needs to be right on what the career average has been. That thirty five percent mark, I think that's good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, especially what all the other ancillary skills you described and his ability to attack closeouts and make a play. Um, pretty good finisher and pick and rolls as well too. So he does have that versatility to pop. Um, he had a, um, a nice dunk uh, against North Carolina, showing a little mm-hmm. bit of that explosiveness that he can, especially when there's a runway. Yeah. And he's physical, very good screen setter, as you said, too. Um, I just like his energy and the motor that he brings as well, too. So he does have that. 
going for him to support when his three-point shot is not falling. Yeah, and in this comment from Dirty Dancer, I think it's interesting. It's something I've kind of struggled with too. He says the lack of rebounding makes me lose interest yeah. in PJ. I've always Good wondered call. how much of that is at least this season is playing next to Ian Shefflin. Because Shefflin is like one of the best rebounders uh in the ACC. Like he is just a physical force. And even though he's you know six eight and he's more doing it from that power forward kind of position and Hall is around the basket a lot, I've always I don't know. I've struggled with that a little bit this year because it feels like Hall physically is the best he's ever been. Like you mentioned that, like when he's got a runway, that explosion explosion that he can show off at two feet is really impressive. He's not like a great second leap guy and he's not super mm-hmm. twitchy in space. And I think that does actually show up on the glass as well in terms of like how quickly he's able to set his feet and then pop off the floor and get to a rebound. Um, but I, I, I'm not like totally married to his rebounding numbers this season being indicative of what he is as a rebounder. And then like even last year, he was, he was playing through injury a lot of the year and things like that. Like maybe I'm just kind of deluding myself a little bit, but I think the fact that the rebounding has been better this year is encouraging enough. And I can kind of write off the rest of it to an extent. Yeah. I'm right there with you on that. He has taken the jump up there and rebounding. And then on the offensive end, of the glass, too, at 2.2 offensive rebounds per game. So he's creating more second-chance points as well, too. So that speaks to the activity on both ends of the glass. It's something that you want to see. Obviously, it would be great if he was a volume rebounder. In the ideal world, I want all my bigs to be double-double threats. I mean, that's, you know, I think at the end of the day, you you want your bigs to be able to score and rebound and protect the, uh, protect the rim as well. But for him, as long as he can continue just to be active there, and it's not like we get to an NBA floor. It's like, all right, PJ Hall's not giving us any rebounding at all there, which I don't think would be the case. I think mm-hmm. it would be more than fine as long as everything else is going well for him, especially shooting. Yeah, I also think it helps him a little bit that I've always kind of viewed him as like a big that you play alongside another big. And I think that's something that's actually becoming more viable and not less. Um, like I was at Bulls Timberwolves this week and – you know, not only was it the, the Towns Gobert lineup for Minnesota, but it was a Vucevic Drummond lineup a, a lot of the night for the Bulls. Like, I've always kind of viewed PJ as a guy I would want to put in that sort of a set, like that sort of a system, or a team like uh, New York, where it's him and Mitchell Robinson, or him and Randall, or Boston, where it's him and Porzingis, or him and Horford. Like, I've always kind of viewed him as a big that I play with another big. And I think that would kind of insulate him a little bit defensively too. If you're still a little concerned about some of the stuff in space, have that other rim protector out there. That's kind of how I've always envisioned the role. So the rebounding has never been that big of an issue for me. Is that kind of the view that you have for him? Or do you view him more as like a straight traditional five? That's exactly the view I have for him. Um, I couldn't put it any better myself. And don't want to go on too much of a tangent here, but I think you brought up a great point, at least alluded alluded to it was – it's important for as evaluators to watch games at different levels, especially the NBA level. Obviously we have to know what translate, what's working and what mm-hmm. could potentially work for guys. So I think that's a great point. And, and you talking about what you saw at the T wolves game, um, the uh, bulls T wolves game. So I think that's apropos to exactly what we want to talk about with PJ hall. For sure. So, so let's get to this next guy. Uh, who is having a ridiculous week? So you kind of you kind of picked him early because hey, this guy's going off, and then he went off again today. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he is a six seven freshman uh, for South Carolina, Colin Murray Boyles. 
He had uh, 16 and nine against Mississippi early in the week. Uh, but before that, against Georgia, he had a 16.5 rebound, four assist, and two steal game. And then today he had 25 points as well. Colin Marie Boyle, 6'7, uh, very interesting player, super, super high feel. Really good as a passer, super trustworthy decision maker. Kind of a non-shooter at this point. Like, has an elbow jumper, but has taken a couple threes on the year, if that. And then a 58% free throw shooter, but I like the elbow jumper. Where where are you at with Colin Maurice Boyle? Because this is, this is a very interesting player. It's an archetype that, like, right now, I don't know what it looks like at the next level. But he is so overwhelmingly talented and has been a huge part of South Carolina just blowing expectations out of the water. But clearly, he is an NBA prospect. It's just a matter of like when and, and how, I guess. Uh, so <laughs> that, that's a lot to kind of throw on your plate. But uh, <laughs> how, how have you been feeling about, about the South Carolina freshman? Well, I'm excited that he's back, and I'm sure that he is as well. Um, I, the first time I got a chance to see him, I'm sure for like a lot of us, was watching him on TV, watching him play with Washington Academy in the NIBC. And then I got a chance to watch him in person last year. I'm in a great event, um, the MLK Classic here in the DMV area. Um, this terrific event every year. This one actually had Aiden, Holl- Aiden Holloway, who's at Auburn this year, um, in that tournament as well, too. So I really enjoyed it. But for him, I was very excited to see what he would do coming in. I thought he could be the underrated SEC freshman of the year, dark horse type of guy. And he was hit with mono, you know, so yeah. he's bouncing back from that. So I I really commend, commend his ability to really recover, battle, go through that type of adversity. A lot of people, at the end of the day, the season's done. That's happened mm-hmm. to us. several players. You're going to miss several months. And then he comes back gets his feet wet, especially with these past two games. And he's just so skilled to fill at six foot seven. He's an undersized big, unfortunately. Um, he's one of those guys that, you know, you hate to say it, but if he was two more inches tall, I think he's a solid lock first round pick or if the athleticism mm-hmm. a little bit more explosive. But although he is a pretty underrated athlete, is a quick jumper, especially you really see that on the defensive mm-hmm. end too. But the field, the touch, the passing, he will, I think, will eventually have to shoot a little bit. But the mid-range game that you talk about, the elbow jumper, some of – and it's kind of funny just thinking about seeing his game I'm in high school that these past two games he hasn't really showcased a lot, uh, everything, especially that mid-range. He's more comfortable shooting that mid-range jumper, has great footwork. And uh, I think he, he has these flip shots. I think the short roll into the push, that's going to be yep. something that's key for him as well that he has – both hands. So he's a very, very interesting prospect. Uh, I think the way he's been able to pick up some momentum, he might test for feedback. What do you think about that? Or maybe a little larger sample size? I, I can't, to me, like testing the waters is just sort of a why not thing. I think the yeah. only guys where I'm like, maybe don't is if you think you're just not going to get any workouts. Like if you think I'm going to test the waters and like, it's just going to be a waste of time. Like then, then maybe don't mess with it. I, I kind of get the vibe um that there is a level of interest in him is a multi-year guy and i think at that point it's like why not I, I think the one reason he may consider not testing the waters at all is it does seem that the situation he has at south carolina with lamont paris is a really good one 
and maybe you just kind of lock in from the get-go and say, hey, look, yep. I, I had mono this year. Let's just get this out of the way and say, hey, I'm coming back. Let's see. Let's get the ball rolling for next year. And then maybe that's appealing to guys in the portal that like, hey, I know I've got this guy that I'm going to play with who's good, but also totally selfless. Uh, he's going to help me eat and he's going to keep us competitive. Um, I think that could could help out South Carolina as well as him to just kind of lock in and say, hey, here's where I am. Here's where I'm going to be. Let's just get better. Um, I, I thought you made some really good points on like the, the movement. And I think defensively it shows up really well. I think that uh, he's got like some real interesting kind of stop, start, like forward, backward movement ability that I kind of wasn't really anticipating just based on his body type. <laughs> the, the recognition and feel really carry over on that side of the floor rotationally is good. Um, obviously the, the power, like the strength, like when he walls up at the rim, it's a lot more potent than it is when most six, seven guys do that. Um, and I think that just guarding the ball, like he, he has some better moments. I, I wish the foot speed was a little bit better, but I think that's something they can get there. And this is a guy again, coming off a of mono, which like, if you ever had it, it's, it's brutal. It's, it's a really brutal illness. And I think a lot of people are like, Oh, it's like the, the silly kissing disease. And it's like, no, nah, it's, <laughs> it's going to take a lot out of you for a long time. Like it is yes. not easy to get over. Uh, and then offensively. Yeah. I, I thought the, uh, yeah, the, the short roll stuff, like you mentioned is, is real. Like he's, he's able to dish it so quickly and see the, the entire floor. Uh, it, it kind of warps speed that any situation where you just give him the ball, he's going to do something quickly uh, and correctly. Uh, I, yeah, I, I think that he's got that real pop, like you mentioned too. Like he's, he's not going to go way above the rim, but he can dunk it. Like he's not totally mm-hmm. ground bound. Um, I think the first steps again, a little better than you might think. And he's, he's strong on the glass too, on the offensive boards. And he's got really good hands. Like, some of the balls that he was able to kind of like grab and come down with was something that you see out of like elite centers. <laughs> like the rebounding rate isn't anything crazy, but I, I was, I was really impressed by his hands too, uh, watching him. So I, I guess the big thing is how, how much progression do you think the shot needs to have uh, for him to be like a viable NBA player? Do you think he's someone that can get away Um with maybe being a lower volume three point shooter, that's just kind of okay, or get, can get away being below average, or do you think he needs to like actually shoot? I think if he is in the low thirties and he's actually also shooting mid range jumpers, and that's a viable. Mm-hmm. I'm more worried about him being able to dominate in that mid range game, whether it's mm-hmm. him the kind of the, the short rolls into the jumper, or if he's working dunker spots and he's able to hit the mid range, and then be able to play off that. And then you work to corners and kind of just progress. But as long mm-hmm. as he can shoot in the low 30s, and then I guess really what you want to see next year too, just the confidence. to shoot. I, mean, I believe he said he's shooting five attempts so far this year. We'll see where he, if he gets cracks double digits this season. But just him continuing to be comfortable shooting threes. And whether if he's making them or if he's not, obviously hope, hope that he's making them. But just being able to show that confidence and shooting the three. Yeah, and I don't think it's, like, unrealistic. Uh, and, and, I mean, maybe this isn't, like, the, the best case in the world to make, but a, a guy like EJ Liddell was somebody that was, like, kind of a non-shooter with a similar-ish body type coming into college that eventually became a reliable three-point shooter. Now, in his case, he had a ma- massive injury derailment, and, and, you know, it's really unfortunate. I think that probably plays a part in, like, why he's – you know, a 30% G league three point shooter, as opposed to a guy that's maybe getting minutes on a, 
uh, a, an NBA official roster. Um, I think that can kind of give him something to shoot for. Like it's not out of the realm of possibility for, for a guy uh, with a similar build to, to get there. And I'm kind of with you. I think he can kind of get away with being a below average shooter. Like I always say, like the, the reason that league average exists is because there are guys that play that are below average shooters. And it's just a matter of like, <laughs> I love do, you, it. <laughs> do you have the other things that can get you on the floor to be a productive player as a below average shooter? And I think in his case, he does. And, and if that mid range is there, um, like we've, we've seen a lot of NBA teams go to like positioning a guy at the elbow or the nail that can kind of like pass mm-hmm. and dissect the defense from those spots and, um, either zoom into those spots or run handoffs from that part of the court. Like there's, there's ways to utilize him if he's not, if like he's able to just shoot it from there, if nothing else, and then knock down the occasional three. So I, I don't think he's got to be like a gunner <laughs> from long yeah. range. I think he can get away being solid. Um, defensively, do you have any, like, I, I, I like the defense. Is there anything like you want to see him improve on that end of the floor? Or are you just happy with it? Like I, I was pretty content with what I saw on the, the film defensively. Yeah, I'm pretty happy with it. I mean, he has the weak side rim protection is there. He's not going to be a defensive anchor at six foot seven, but you like the rotational instincts, the quick hands that are there. He competes. He's physical. Obviously, teams are going to try to make sure that he switches on and get him in space. He's shown some good things there of being able to stay patient, use his length. Um, Not the greatest laterally, but he's Mm -hmm. fairly fluid there. And I think content, like you said, I think that's a perfect word for his defense. Yeah, yeah. I, I, so I'm I'm interested very much so in the long term. I think he's one of these guys that like has just made it abundantly clear that he's going to be in the mix at some point, even if it's not the most traditional game. Sometimes it's these guys that are a little bit quirky and unorthodox that that end up making teams miss on draft night and, and really paying off in a big way. Uh, we are going to take a quick break. On the other side of the break, we're going to be talking about VCU's Max Shulga as well as Akron's Enrique Freeman. Stick with us. All right. So for feature focus, one of the players that you brought up uh, was Max Shulga from VCU. He is a six foot four senior guard, uh, originally from Ukraine, played three seasons at Utah State. Followed Coach Ryan Odom to VCU this offseason. Um, went from being sort of a guard alongside the other guard, but Stephen Nash, Zeb Jackson is a, is a big part of their offense. Uh, but Shulga, really kind of the main, main guy, leading the team in assists, leading the team in scoring. Uh, unquestionably the biggest role that he's had in college, and he's, he's done a phenomenal job of it. Uh, what kind of made you want to, to bring back Shulga to the table this week? Well, he was someone that I've been tracking since uh, last season. I know you and I have talked about him in the past as well. Mm-hmm. But for me, I haven't seen him get too much love out there on draft Twitter and just in mainstream uh, draft consciousness as well. Mm-hmm. But for me, I think it really starts with the shooting. And he has the versatility to play on and off the ball with it. Yes. He was yep. shooting 40% on off the dribble threes and also catch and shoot threes. So that's something that you love to see. And I think what would surprise me if you haven't seen him or maybe seen him maybe once or twice, there is some self-creation there. There is some juice. He can go hit you with a couple combo moves, loves to step back, very fluid, can create space in that way, can run pick and rolls as a playmaker and a score to get to the mid-range game, finish below the rim, pretty skilled there, crafty, there as well too 
can make advanced reads out of the pick and roll and also the regular connective stuff if he's playing off the ball. So there's really a lot to like, and I think he's legitimate 6'4 in that range. I wish he, the defense was a little bit better to play point of attack, but that's, I mean, I think you're kind of nitpicking for the most part for the other stuff that he can give you. I'm hoping um, a lot of the guys that we end up talking about and focus on, especially with the sickos, they're going to end up being Portsmouth guys for the most part, at least the um, the older ones. And he's the one that I'm excited. I'm hoping that he'll be in Portsmouth this year, and I think he'll turn a lot of heads. I had myself muted there. But, yeah, I'm, I'm right there <laughs> with you. He's, he's one of those guys that – yeah, if he and I, I believe he probably has an extra year with with COVID, but I, I'd kind of love to see him go. I, I I don't I don't know if he yeah. you know if that's in the plan for him. I don't know what's best for him. I and I hate to speak on that for for players. So I have no idea what their situation is. But I like Max Schulga a lot. Uh, he was someone I covered during my No Stone and Turn series this off season. Uh, just because I thought, like you mentioned, like he's six four and there's real on off ball versatility which like those are two really important things for a point guard in this area is to have that positional size and be a guy that can create and and stir the pot whether it's for yourself or other guys or be a reliable knockdown guy and yeah to your point like 40 percent off the catch this year um but has this really nice pull-up game like 38.6 percent on pull-up threes like you can't go under on this guy um and when guys come up, like he's he's really able, he's really improved his handle a lot. As I would say, like the, one of the biggest differences between this year and last year, I thought he let the ball get away from his body a decent amount last year, and I was a little worried, like could he be that lead guy? And I think he's he's tightened that up quite a bit, um, but just has that sort of he's not shifty, but like I, I'll use the, the phrase like slithery a lot, where he can kind of just like mm-hmm. weave through the paint. Yep. It's not super fast, but he just knows bodies and spaces and where he can get on the court uh to get himself a little bit of room and to make defenders make tough choices and and again i feel like i'm repeating a lot of the same stuff the vision like this guy sees the whole floor like i i was talking mm-hmm. with nathan grubel the other day about like there's point guards that can that can make decisions and point guards that can make reads and, and max shulga is a guy that can make reads like he he actually knows uh you know everything that's going on on the floor and i think that was one of the things with uh uh murray boyles who we were talking about too where like he's a guy that like fundamentally understands everything happening on the floor i think shulga is in a similar boat um and then yeah like i is a shooter pull up stuff off movement that's all there the, the defense I, I worry about a little bit like i don't love his hips i don't love how he stays in front um but i do think he does some stuff pretty well i, I really like how he uses his hands at the point of attack and i think that he also does a phenomenal job of staying connected whether it's like an on or an off ball screen, like he very rarely seeds a ton of ground in those circumstances. I think the biggest issues are more when he's on an Island or totally in space. Um, so if we're looking at like, what could be the stumbling blocks for him at the next level, I think it's probably just like overall athleticism and speed. But I, I will say again, I, I think that he looks more fit this year and he's moving more like an NBA player this year than he was last year. I think he's made real strides there. Um, and then the other one is the, the half court finishing has been a little rough this year. Um, how are you kind of feeling about the finishing? Cause he, he's always been a solid rim pressure guy. Uh, and VCU is like a, a decent shooting team, but it's one of those things where it's like, okay, well then you pull his shooting out of there and then all of a sudden it's not so good. Like it's Bama seals had a good shooting year, but other than uh, Kune Kune and, and Jason Nelson, who doesn't play a lot alongside Shulga, 
it's a lot of Zeb Jackson, who's a non-shooter. Barristos had like a weirdly had a weirdly poor shooting year uh, when he was on the court. Lawal's a non-shooter. Michael Bell's a non-shooter. Like I, I don't know. How how do you feel about the finishing? And like, what do you think the issue is, or is it just the, the vertical explosiveness? I think it's really the vertical explosiveness, and that's what you always worried about with guys that are limited athletically. So for him, it's really going to be about finding those touch and craft finishes, which he has flashed. And then also some of it, too, is not to say that the the NWC was a pretty good conference, but you take a, a step mm-hmm. up, you're in the A-10 as well, and he's played terrific as well. So kudos for him mm-hmm. for having his game be able to translate in the mentality and the skill set to translate up. So he's also dealing with just a different set of athletes as well, too, on the A-10 and length on a night-to-night basis. And I think that, like I said, it's going to be the craft finishes, finding those angles that he that he normally is able to find. And I think the pull-up game is going to be something he's really going to have to rely on because he's not going to be able to consistently finish at the rim as much as mm-hmm. we would like. Yeah, and I, and I think he's at least in a good starting point with that, like the fact that he is a, a legit, really good pull-up three-point shooter. And he's been good on those long pull-up twos, too, like – for you know, thirty six percent, I think this year on on pull up twos, which isn't terrible, but uh, I, I believe he had a really good pull up two number last year. Yeah, last year was forty point seven percent on pull up twos. So for when you have to take those shots, like those are not bad numbers for a college guard. Uh, and the fact that that range does extend to three is also really encouraging as well. Um, probably like you mentioned, probably a guy that's more in that like Portsmouth kind of mix. Um, I, I do think there's a real chance that he's one of those guys that goes to an event like that and just kind of eats in the, in the chaos, just being like one of those guys on the floor, kind of like a a Jalen Williams was it, it then be a combine is probably the ultimate example of that. Like in Andrew Dempart as well, just like guys that were in a position to really find a level of calm and poise and creativity in the chaos and, and set themselves apart. Um, do you think that there's a, a path to hearing his name called on draft night, or do you think he's more like guy that can work himself into a two way? I think there's more of a guy that work himself into a two way, unless he just absolutely goes nuts at Portsmouth mm-hmm. or in workouts where it's like, which is not of the own possibility for all the reasons sure. we laid out about his game, just shoots the lights out. You see the versatility there and the playmaking as well. And in that type of environment, and I don't want to make it sound like this, but also in this draft, if you see someone there and you see them in the second round, we'll see what happens is where agents kind of steer people at that point and kind of mm-hmm. navigate that waters as well. But I do think he's someone that can get himself in that late second round, but more like he's going to be someone that's working for that X-10, that two-way contract. Mm-hmm. So the, someone else that is, uh, is kind of in that, that same boat. It's the guy that – I I'm sort of writing about this week. So my column this week um, was sort of born out of a a philosophical question that I like to ask myself um, when scouting, which is it's, it's, it's really basic. But the question, one of the questions I like to ask myself is how dumb will I feel if I miss on this player? And uh, I I (laughs) I think part of it is, and like I mentioned the column, like there's the, uh, like the hit and the miss of, of that lesson, which like the hit for me was Trey Murphy, where it's like, here's a guy who's six foot nine. He can really defend. He can really shoot good athlete. Like that's an NBA player. Like don't, don't think about it too much. Like that, that's all there. He's an NBA player. The 
the inverse of that was Walker Kessler, who I missed on badly because I I got too cute with it. I, I ignored the fact that this is a guy who had a freaking 19% block rate. Uh, and instead, <laughs> I was like, well, you know, he's not that great of a passer. Oh, he takes jump shots sometimes. And I don't think he's going to shoot it at all. And instead, it's like, look, the guy's going to finish plays and, and be an excellent rim protector. Like he's going to be one of the best best defensive centers in the NBA in, in drop coverage. And instead of worrying about how good he's going to be at switching, maybe just consider that he's going to be awesome at drop. And that's all he needs to be. I got too cute with it. And now looking back, it's like, how did I miss on a center that had a 19% block rate in, in, the, in the ACC? Um, or SEC, rather. ACC was his freshman year. Uh, but yeah, so... So I was thinking about that and I was like, who are just like the leaders in the NCAA in statistical categories? And is there anything to them? Because it would, I would feel kind of dumb as like the sicko guy. If it's like, well, you missed the, the leading the scorer in college basketball ended up being good <laughs> and, you, and you missed on him and you're supposed to be deep in the weeds and you missed an, an NCAA statistical category leader. Uh, so I did an exercise where I, I watched film on the uh, leaders of, a bunch of very obvious statistical categories like points, assists, rebounds, blocks, steals, points produced, uh, three-point percentage. And Enrique Freeman is one of those guys. He's the NCAA leader in rebounds per game right now. Um, Enrique Freeman is a guy that I had watched a little bit last year uh, just because he is a gaudy statistical producer. Like the numbers are big time. Uh, last year, he averaged a double-double at Akron. 16.8 points per game, 11.2 rebounds per game, uh, almost two, two assists, uh, 1.2 blocks, 0.6 steals. The issue with Freeman has always been he's six foot seven. And prior to this season, he had attempted, I believe it was six total threes um, in his college career and made one of them. So it was still just like this guy six foot seven. He doesn't even think about shooting. Like I, I can't really get there with him. Um, I do this exercise. I pull up a stat page. I had not watched him yet this year. Uh, and I realized he's taking like 1.3 threes per game, which isn't a lot, but it's not nothing. And he's making 36.7% of them and he's shooting 71% at the line. So like maybe, maybe there's a little something there. Um, but overall, I, I, I will kind of circle back to the shot. I like everything else about his game. He is a guy that, is very intense, very physical, and very athletic. He's got sort of an NBA build. Uh, he is a thunderous roller. He can finish above the rim. Uh, a little inconsistent as a passer, but I think there's times where he uses his length to create interesting passes. Um, he is one of those guys that would just be a nightmare to play against because he is so all over on the glass. Um, averaging 13 rebounds per game this season. And four of those almost are coming on the offensive glass. So if you don't box him out, like at any point, it's it's just over. Um, and he's, he's going to get a putback. Um, so I, I think he, he does enough of like the other stuff on offense and th that I think that there's a path for him. And, and on defense, he, he really knows what he's doing. Uh, very athletic, very good mover. Uh, really physically strong, slides his feet well. It's hard to turn the corner on him. Weak side rim protection instincts, like that's all there. The issue is just like, can this guy shoot the basketball at all? Uh, so like I mentioned, he's 36.7% on 1.3 attempts per game. It's kind of an odd shot if you're watching on video. He almost shoots it like from his shoulder. Uh, so mechanically, it's not something I love. Uh, and he's got it. He's kind of got to do it. Like there are just not, 
it's hard to find guys that are like six foot seven energy wings that don't shoot at all and also like don't have a really high level of passing feel. I still think I could maybe talk myself into him on a two way. If, if, if the pre-draft process is strong and it goes well, I think right now he's probably more of a guy that, that you give an E10 to and like, he's going to kind of have to fight it out and earn it. Um, but I, I don't know. I just like everything else that I, I could see a team talking themselves into like, maybe we can fix this shot thing with him. Um, what's, what's been your sort of prospect journey with Freeman? And do you think he's got like any chance at all? Are you like, nah, this guy's six, seven and he can't shoot. Oh, there's definitely a chance, and and I think, like you and most of us are always looking for that avenue of like, all right, this could work if, and how realistic it is and everything like that. For me, I was hoping that he had some more wing ball skills, and I'm trying not to cut or close the door on him being like a wing, but he's very much a big, even at 6'7", yeah. with the 205, 210, like, He's, he's posting up the majority of the time. That's where he operates offensively. Um, defensively, hopefully there's some things he can do on, on the wing and, and guarding perimeter guys. I think there's certainly some upside there with that. The three ball, like you said, that is going to be the key with him. He's up to, uh, I believe you said 36%. Mm-hmm. It is the motion where it's right from, from the shoulder. He is consistent mm-hmm. with it, and, and it yeah. looks fluid once he kind of gets there. It gets pretty good art. And there's some good things with it. And I also say he's at 36%, and it's the first time he's really taken heavy volume. So yeah. that's a positive. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll take it, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> so we'll certainly take it. So we'll see if there's going to be some mechanical adjustments to make sure he has that consistency and also feels comfortable too. So I feel like you have obviously no shooting doctor, no shooting coach, anything like that. But you want players to be comfortable shooting with their motion is and have that consistency in the motion, of course, and with the production as well, too. I don't think it really works if he's not shooting or at least some I agree threat. completely. Yeah, I agree completely. I think that's where it's like scary. And that's why I'm not yeah. like, oh yeah, two-way guy. Because like if he doesn't shoot, I don't know. Like guys like that, like the undersized big archetype can do well in the G League, but like mm-hmm. NBA teams like don't even sign them on two ways. Like they're just like that's a six seven G League power forward. Like yeah, rebounds the hell out of the ball though. I absolutely love love me a good rebounder crazy. for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and you got to put a body on like you were saying. Do you think there's a path as a as a I just kind of say this name because he was like very unique, but just in sense of the role and undersized big, he has to almost be a version of Kenneth Fareed, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. It has, it kind of has to be that. And like Fareed, I felt like body wise was stronger. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. He was like 228 when he came out. I yeah. think, and I think Freeman is listed light. Like they list him at like 207, but like, he, he plays bigger than that, but he looks a little bigger than that too, especially yeah. muscular. Yeah, I because I, I I feel like he is. I feel like he's got to be closer to two fifteen, two twenty. Um, mm-hmm. that's kind of got to be what it is because like and like you mentioned, like 
the fact that just like looking through his, his synergy possessions, like 5.3% of his possessions are spot ups. Like it's all, <laughs> it's all put back. And like the, the pick and roll stuff he can do. Like, I think there's ways that like yeah. involve him as a screener and like that's low hanging fruit, but just the fact that like he's, if you're six, seven in the NBA, like you're going to have to be able to operate with a spot up game. Like you're going to have to be able to just like stand on the perimeter a lot of the time. Is that it? Like you're going to have to, move somebody out of the dunker spot. Like if that's where you want to play him. And then like, does that make sense? A lot of times they sign roster lineup. It won't, you'll just play somebody different instead of Enrique Freeman. Uh, so <laughs> it's, it's tricky. Yeah. I think he's got to be, he's got to be that for type or he has to develop some semblance of a shot. And I, I don't know how realistic that is. Um, Cause even like, I don't know. Like, I feel like Corey Craig is like one of those guys that people are like, Oh yeah. Like, you know, Torrey Craig's like not a great shooter. And it's like Corey Craig was still launching like seven a game in college. Like that. It's like I, that guy who you're like, isn't a great shooter uh, was a, at least a prolific volume shooter in college. Even mm-hmm. if the percentage wasn't anything crazy. So yeah, it's, it's a bit of a long shot, but like, he's one of those guys that, I, I feel like I just love the intensity in the motor so much that I I kind of want to bet on him with an E10 and, and at least see where it goes. Yeah, I'm right there with that. I think that would be the perfect spot for him. Let him go out there, be energetic, be a play finisher, be on the glass, rebound, do all those uh, good things that he does. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to get into some sicko sleepers on the other side, so stick with us here. All right. So I actually wanted to lead off with uh, with one of your guys here, Igor Milicic Jr. We talked about him super briefly on the show last week, but I, I didn't have anybody to bounce him off of. Uh, so I really want to get your take on him. He is a 6'10 junior at Charlotte uh, who does just like a little bit of everything. Like he's a, a good three-point shooter. He's efficient inside the arc. He defends he can pass a little bit. Like I love Igor. Like Igor has been top 100 for me. And like a guy I would, I would actually consider drafting. Uh, if you were to go in this year, it doesn't feel like there's a ton of momentum behind him, but I, I really like him. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on Milicic? I really like him as well. And I'm happy to hear that I'm in good company with this pass, dribble, shoot, big skilled, good build to it. Six ten. He's not over hulking, but he does have broad shoulders, defined um, biceps, you know, just a really mature body as well, too. Good frame with the strength and length combination as well, too. Legitimate big man that can go out and stretch the floor, can do little things off of movement, get up and down the court, um, runs well, can hit the hit the three at the just the trail man as well, too. Mm-hmm. So he does that, that versatility as a three-point shooter. He's working in the post, good footwork, good touch, some craft down there as well, too. And I'm just really happy that like, he's always looked good as a shooter with some good moments, some good production. He was at 33% last year and a good volume, 112 attempts. Then he takes the jump up this year. He's at 38% on four and a half attempts per game as well. So I think him being a shooting big is very legitimate. Can attack closeouts, fluid athlete, weak side shot blocker as well too. Is at two stocks per game, so there's a lot to like about with uh, him as well. 
I'm trying to figure out. I want to see where you are on this as well. Is it is he mostly drop? Can he switch? Can he give you a little bit of both? Is there some defensive versatility on that end? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I I really buy the defense. Like I think he can switch and and be like a, a forward at the at the NBA level. Mm-hmm. Um, the Duke game is probably like the best game to get a feel for his defense. Yeah. Like so, I didn't have like the well-rounded picture of him going in. I think that you had like, I, I don't think I watched a Charlotte game last year. Um, and then this year, and like he was at Virginia the year before that and just like did not play a ton. So like he was, he was pretty new to me when I went into the film a couple weeks back and like, man, I loved what I saw. Uh, but the Duke game, like there, there's a possession in that game where Mark Mitchell goes at him and he just kind of sticks with him the entire drive and then ends up blocking his shot. There's a Filipowski drive where he meets him at the rim and blocks a shot. Like I do think there's enough of that, like drop coverage instinct, uh, rim rotation, like wiring there that he can do that stuff. Um, but I also think that like his feet are just good enough that I, I kind of trust him on the perimeter given how long he is and given how well he uses his body and that his, his frame, like you mentioned, is pretty well developed already. I think listing him, uh, around 225 like he's got the body for it so i i kind of like him just out on the perimeter I, I think he's more than good enough there even if the feet aren't like excellent i think the size and the strength more than compensate where are you at with him in comparison to someone with a fairly similar skill set and especially maybe a role too we already talked about in pj hall where is that yeah. gap or or in tears um, is he with those two guys? So, yeah. So I like PJ a little bit more um, because I I think PJ, I view more as like a, a slightly, I guess, more traditional big man. And I just think a lot of NBA teams could like really use a, a solid skilled backup center um, or a backup five. And I don't really view Igor as the guy that I'm playing much at the five at the next level, even if it's like, like I mentioned with PJ earlier, it's kind of like, you're, you're still sort of playing him with another big where I'm viewing Igor more in the role of like a forward. And then I think your competition's just looking a little bit different at that point. Like I, I trust PJ a lot more to bang bodies, set meaningful screens and protect the rim. Um, we're with Igor. It's more like you're, you're this solid, uh, you know, solid, but not great perimeter defender. I don't really buy the rim protection stuff. It's more like, you're a forward who who rebounds and has really good size on him. I think processing and like passing feel wise, PJ is probably a little bit ahead of him. I do think it matters too that Hall's playing against better competition as well. So, Absolutely. so I'm higher on Hall, but I I think that that's an interesting philosophical question that I think a lot of teams like depending on their need might want to ask. Because like if I'm a little thinner at a forward spot, and if I'm more looking for like a four that I could almost maybe slide down to the three. Like mm-hmm. I'm like really high on Igor's movement uh, and ability to move. But like, I, I think Igor definitely fits that a lot more than PJ Hall does. Yeah, I completely agree. And then a couple of names that just popped in my mind now, um, wouldn't say the comparison, but maybe just type in a role. And you talked about a bigger guy, like a four that's playing the three. Is he comparable to someone maybe like Dean Wade or yeah. um, Sancio Aldama? I don't want to go mm-hmm. the international route, but yeah. a small school, big guy, similar skill set as well. That's kind of the roles I can see him kind of mm-hmm. operating and trying to thrive in at the NBA level. 
Yeah, that's that's almost exactly what I what I had in mind, or even just like like roster fit wise, I was thinking a team that has a, a philosophy similar to what Utah does, where like they're just really comfortable putting a bunch of tall guys on the court together. Like you yep. could put out like yep. Walker Kessler, uh, Taylor Hendricks, and Igor together. Like that that is a three that you could run with, or um, you know you could do. Uh, you know, marking in Kessler and him, you could do uh, like it, it just a, a, lot, a lot of different lineups. You'd run like John Collins, another big and Igor. Like there's there's ways mm-hmm. to make it work with him. Um, that I think that's kind of what I view him as is like jumbo jumbo lineup forward, or yeah, or like or just a, a four depending on on kind of what you're rolling with. But I, I do think in those jumbo lineups, you could work well too. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And then what you had let off with two, I agree that he's completely draftable at least for me yeah and i can certainly see teams talking themselves into it i'm not to say they have to really go that far to talk themselves into it the skill mm-hmm. set and the fit the positional size is all there but i can certainly see him being a top 60 guy absolutely yeah i mean this is again we're talking about 610 and doing all this stuff offensively and taking almost you know nine threes for 100 possessions and hitting hitting 38 percent of them and, and moving into some of them too like it's not just boring, wide open, standstill <laughs> shooting stuff. It's it's a real deal shot making with him. Uh, so he's yep. he's a really impressive guy for me. Um, let's go with uh, let's do Kobe Brea next, who's one of the guys that I I brought here. Uh, so I wrote about him in the column as well. He's the NCAA leader in three point field goal percentage. I think Brea to me. Is so I so I mentioned Brea last week in my column. I did mid major game of the week, and I got some pushback from from some other people in the evaluation space. Where I was like, "Yeah, he's probably like a summer league guy, like G League player, or whatever." And some people were like, "I kind of like Kobe Brea a little bit more than you." So I when I did this column, I saw he was leading in uh, three point field goal percentage. I was like, "All right, let me let me watch him with a closer eye." I came away a bit more optimistic just because the shooting is like bananas like he's he's just under 48 percent from deep (laughs) on the year he's taking 13.4 attempts per game that is ridiculous especially for a guy who's six foot six like most of the guys that are that accurate on that high volume are like those tiny guards that just go go overseas um they're usually not six six um as far as bray's game goes like where i would say i'm still a little bit lower on him i i do think he has some connective feels a passer um, because Dayton was like real thin at the guard spot last year. And like, even a little bit this year, um, he's had to do a little bit as like a playmaker and passer. And I, I think he sees the floor well because he's a good pull up three point shooter and has that, like they can run some ball screen stuff for him. Uh, he's really good in transition as a shooter, really good coming off screens, like every type of tough three, he can make it, he can hit him from the logo. So like, the versatility, the volume, the efficiency, the height is all really intriguing. And like, he knows how to pass. I think where I just have a hard time with him is he is, he is very behind the curve athletically. Um, He's not very quick. He's a pretty poor defender. And like, he's a pretty poor defender in like a lower usage role. Um, He rarely gets all the way to the rim. I just don't think he's a very skilled defender. I, if he was like six eight, I would be like, "Who cares? Mm-hmm. Let's draft yep. him." If he play a little more of the four big wing, yep. <laughs> yeah, but if he's gonna measure at like six four and a half or something like that, you know, being listed at six six, then all of a sudden it's a lot dicier. Um, 
how how do you feel about about Kobe Brea? Because he is to me like one of those guys who is like almost purely a specialist in a way that you don't really see much anymore. Yeah, I mean, you hit it everywhere there about him, and that's a lot of what my sentiment has been on him. I thought he would really break out after it was his red shirt sophomore year, I believe, mm-hmm. where he won a 10 six man of the year, the shooting and everything. It looked great. Then he's continued to take it to another level this year. And he looks like you said, much like a specialist, there is some connective passing there, but it's like, how connective is it really? Like what level of it is, is it kind of like rudimentary the way that he's, is a connective passer. It's, if he's not hitting threes, what else is he doing? And yes. I don't know. And it, and that's what's tough. And we talked about the size. If he was six eight taller, that helps a little bit defensively. Maybe he can do some more things as a cutter. It you know it compensates for the lack of ideal athleticism. If there was more height there, but it's not. Um, but just. He has to continue to be a dead-eye shooter. He has defensive tools. They just aren't mm-hmm. quite utilized consistently. Um, you know, with strong frame, pretty long arms, good positional size. But it comes down to if he's not shooting, what else is he exactly doing? Yeah. Yeah, there's just such little margin for error. And then it's also the stuff of, like, how how easy is he able to get open at the next level, too? Like, because teams... I mean, they'll have to respect him, but like, is he going to have the speed and the shake and the ability to like pivot and change directions and free himself the way that a guy like a Jordan Hawkins is able to? And like, does he have the the gas to run all game the way that a guy like Jordan Hawkins yep. does? And like, Jordan Hawkins is still a guy that has like found himself on the outs minute wise or, or sent back to the G League at portions of the season. And he's an unbelievable three point shooter. He's obviously mm-hmm. smaller than Brea. Uh, but like it just shows how hard it is to to carve out a niche when you are almost entirely perimeter oriented uh, in the modern NBA. So I, I think he's interesting. I think teams will definitely kick the tires on him. I'd be stunned if he's a guy that's like not in that Portsmouth mix whenever he decides to go mm-hmm. out. I believe he does have another year. I'd assume he uses it. Um, but yeah, in, interesting guy because the shot is so good, but just doesn't feel like there's a ton else. Um, I want to end on one of your guys because I think he's fascinating. So I'm going to do one more of mine real quick before we go back to yours. Uh, Vontarius Woolbright. Woolbright is a guy that I think does have – there's there's definitely some NBA interest in him that I'm aware of. Uh, He is a 6'5 graduate at Western Carolina, NCAA leader in points produced per game absolute stat sheet <laughs> stuffer like 22.6 yes. points per game 12.4 <laughs> rebounds per game 5.4 assists per game he is the offense he is western carolina's offensive output um really creative passer uh really sees the floor well super pace heavy very just kind of gonna slow it down and, and find ways to eventually get to a spot that's advantageous for him or for a teammate, I have no idea what this guy's game looks like at the next level. Uh, <laughs> he is a poor outside shooter. He is uh, 25% from three on low volume. Uh, I don't know what he does without the ball. He is averaging 0.5 steals and zero blocks per game this season. I 
I don't know what the, what a complimentary version of this looks like. And it's tricky because, like I said, he's he's not a bad athlete, but he's 6'5", and he's like a little – he's more of like a lanky 6'5", than like a a David Roddy 6'5". So it's mm-hmm. not like, well, I'm going to screen him and run him downhill and do this to like get him the ball with a runway. Um, I, I think the fact that like Darian Sebron and Hunter Maldonado like – you can look at that one way or another where it's like, those guys are shooting better in the G league. So it's like, maybe you could have in the G league. He figures out a shot or whatever. And then the counter to that is like, both of those guys are playing in the G league and not yeah. on an NBA <laughs> roster, like an everyday NBA roster. So I'm a little dubious of Woolbright, but there are smart people that I talk to in basketball that love him and are really infatuated with just like a guy who does so much on offense and has this level of feel. I I've never really seen it, but I could see a team talking themselves into it. Uh, what, how do you feel about Wolbright? Yeah, it's hard not to be intrigued for someone that stuffs the chat, the stat sheet in the manner that he does. And play, like you said, it's, it's not going to be, he's not going to have the usage, the uh, same type of scale that he's going to project to have at the NBA level. So it's like, what's that complimentary role looks like? What is the off ball role? And then, I laugh because as you talked about Kobe uh, Brea as well, what does he do? Like if his main thing isn't there. So if yeah. he's not able to have the ball operate in that manner, he's okay at cutting, but we don't really see it much because he's probably mm-hmm. has the ball in his hands. Obviously the shooting is the main concern is the huge swing skill. And if he's off the ball, of course, you know, how much spot-up shooting is he really doing. Is he, he does a good job of attacking the space and kind of get to where he wants to go. So I do like that about him as well. The rebounding, maybe you can get in a, a situation where they're playing a lot in transition. Like he rebounds mm-hmm. in and out of his area. He's tough. That triggers lots of grab-and-go situations. Uh, doesn't mind playing in the post. He's skinny strong, um, I like to say. So he, he fights through contact and those type of things. But uh, the jumper really does not look that bad. He'll kind of go to it occasionally, getting to pull ups after he's um, attacked the space, and sometimes in the post as well too. But you know, he just doesn't shoot a lot of threes. Not really to to to, to take much. I joked before uh, with Steve when we were on the Res Ball podcast to talk to him about. I was wondering if he would be a better shooter right hand, and then only because he's so good with his right hand. I yeah. watched a game. I forgot which game it was. We started off, and it's just like, if you did not know him, it was the first game watching him, it looks like he's right-handed. He mm-hmm. skipped passes right-handed. He's going to finish right-handed as well, too. Like, it's he's just so comfortable using his right hand for everything. Um, but I highly doubt he'll switch hands and shoot, but it was just something to think about. He he is unbelievably ambidextrous which is like something i noted in the article like really good finishing with both hands but also like passes one-handed in a really like rare way where it's almost like a water polo player or like like the way that he's just kind of like will Mm -hmm. sort of like palm the ball there and then just like whip it to guys it's it's bizarre like i've never seen a guy like really do that before especially that's like six five like maybe you know hakeem was doing that out of the post but that's a different (laughs) thing like for a six five guy to just like 
almost hold it like it's a like a nerf ball and just kind of do whatever he wants it's really uncanny and like that's the kind of stuff where it's like maybe that's not a tangible translatable nba skill but you see it and it's like there is some real creativity that comes into just being like i'm gonna i'm gonna do this like it it takes some guts and and some quick thinking to think like someone passed the ball uh but yeah very very interesting prospect one of those guys who i would I would be really surprised if he doesn't get an exhibit 10 because I think teams are just mm-hmm. going to be so blown away by the production that he's going to get looks. Um, yeah, definitely a guy that I think is going to be in the mix. Um, you, The other sleeper that, that you brought this week is a guy that um, I'm really interested in, a guy that I'm is very much in the mix for, for No Sun Unturned 2024. Uh, really yes. interesting long-term <laughs> prospect. Uh, Darren Buchanan Jr. as six seven freshman at George Washington. Give people the rundown on him. Absolutely. So I had to come back on here and show my DM my DMU folks some love. Darren Buchanan's from uh, Washington D.C. Freshman built like an absolute tank already. Like it's mm-hmm. it's a near NBA ready body. Things listed at like two thirty five six uh, foot seven. Stout frame, powerful. He uses it well. I think he's still learning how to consistently use it to his advantage. Um, but he's a two-way upside, more of a shot maker than shooter at this point. Slasher um, has some creation with him. That's going to be one of the things if he can be a, a consistent space creator and self creator. But right now, he's really a slasher. Plays very hard. Competes. I think he can defend multiple positions. Good athlete as well. Um, more so with a runways, but a much better athlete around the rim than what he's really showed this year as in kind of be off balance with some things, trying to draw some fouls, um, just kind of just play more straight up and be his powerful self. But I really do love the passion, this competitiveness on both ends. Like he really gets after it. And I think he's going to be a long-term prospect that teams should be monitoring now if they aren't already. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. Um, yeah, it just looks like an NBA player out there, like six seven and huge, huge. Like especially like upper body wise, like pretty rare to see a guy that young that has that level of like physicality and toughness to him already. Um, helps him a lot on defense, like just really able to body guys up on the glass, uh, prevent people from getting where they want, but also like knows how to use his length and size to be disruptive and kind of make guys make mistakes uh and then offensively i yeah i think there's some real kind of craft at the basket uh he's able to again fight his way down uh downhill because that physicality but it does seem and i i haven't watched nearly as much of him as you have but it it does seem like there is like some real skill there like there's still some like craft at the cups and body control like enough of the handle uh some some real vision to him uh that, that it seems like he could really put it all together uh, if if the shot does get there, so he's he's been lower volume from three. Um, he does get to the free throw line a ton, which which I like. Um, yeah, and he's he's an okay for a college free throw shooter, sixty two point nine percent, twenty seven percent, twenty seven point eight percent from three on one attempt per game. You've kind of gotten to see more of his uh, pre college career and his development. What are the odds that that you think the shot gets there? Because I do think either way, we are talking about a guy that that doesn't need to be like lights out as a shooter because he mm-hmm. does so many other things because he has the physical gifts that he has uh, paired with a level of feel. Um, but how has his jumper developed over the years and how do you feel about the overall trajectory of it? 
it's slowly progressing. What I like about it is he's not he that doesn't shoot a lot of them, but he will shoot it if he's you know really open or if he feels like that he needs to shoot it, um, at least historically. But I do think he's going to be always be more of a shot maker as opposed to an actual shooter. I don't think it's out of the realm possibility that he's like a low 30s shooter. I'm not super confident on him being like this mid 30s three point shooter, but like 31, 32 percent where he's more of a capable shooter. If you leave him open, he can hit that. It's probably the shot you want him to take, but he can hit that and he can have enough gravity to attack closeouts get to the line, be a playmaker, and do those type of things. And some of the misses are bad, so that does kind of concern me as well, too. What have you seen so far? Are you optimistic about what the jumper looks like? Yeah. Yeah, so I haven't gotten to, like, spend a ton of time on on him. Um, he was the guy that I watched, a, like, once early in the year, and then I watched him for, for mid-major game of the week when they played Dayton. Mm-hmm. I, I think the one thing that jumped out to me on the shot that I kind of have in my notes is that it's a very like in front of his body and then back in kind of like motion on the way up. Like it's that uh, like semicircle kind of kind of build up mm-hmm. that I call it where the ball goes out and then it comes back to his head and then he releases it off the top of his head. Uh, so I think it's something that needs a little bit of work. I'd like to see the trajectory of it kind of improve, but I also don't think it's like busted or, or completely out of control or anything terrible yeah. uh so i i do think that there is a path for him i think his his touch other places is is solid to good so i think that he's not like yeah i i don't think it's hopeless uh but i do think there needs to be a, a good amount of work that goes into it both just from like a volume standpoint but also just from a, a mechanic standpoint yeah absolutely and this, just the motor that he plays with, too, I think that's going to help him a lot if he's playing more off the ball and continue to kind of refine his off-ball game. He used to play with the ball a decent amount um, at GW, but he does play with James Bishop, who's a prolific co- uh, college scorer, probably another Portsmouth guy as well, too, and has been able to show some ability to be able to read the floor off the ball and make timely cuts and run the floor and do those type of things. So there is – a role I see at the NBA where it's scaled down, where he doesn't have the ball in his hands. But mm-hmm. I am excited to see him continue to develop with the ball in his hands on the collegiate level for sure. Absolutely. I'm right there with you. Real quick, we'll take two sleepers from the chat. Uh, KJ Adams and Melvin Ajinka. Um, Ajinka's a guy that I have not, have honestly kind of not watched enough of recently. He was one of those guys that I paid a ton of attention to early in the year. Uh, kind of went through an overall scoring, uh, scoring slump. And then it was also just kind of one of those guys where, again, it's like, what are you without the shot? Like, he's one of those guys that moves well, but isn't quite as good of a defender as you'd like to like him to be. Uh, guards the ball fine, but doesn't really force mistakes. Uh, okay, connective passer, but that's about it. But now back up to 38% on three from the year with that lightning fast release. Zero dip on that bad boy. Like, really pretty shot and, and cape off mm-hmm. movement. And he's 6'8", so... He's he's a guy that I think probably needs to be in, in second round discussions at the at the very least, but um, have not gotten deep into the film probably within the last month. Uh, any any Ajinka takes from you? No, I love the names right there, and I'm in a very similar boat for you. I saw a lot of them during his FIBA play. Haven't checked back on him 
as of late. But, you know, you love the quick stroke, has to be a shooter, good athlete, obviously fits that three and D role. That's the hope for him. But with his size, athleticism, the shooting numbers appear to have stabilized or at least are to a level where you feel pretty comfortable he can knock some shots down. So I do think that's absolutely worth someone you want to consider in that second round. Yeah, and then KJ Adams. Um, I'm I've never been a KJ Adams guy, but I'm more intrigued with him now than I was last year. Now that he's showing more of the passing stuff, mm-hmm. I'm still a little like I don't want to say dubious of it, but like he still throws some really bad passes, and I shouldn't kill him for that because he's he's still much better as a passer than he was a year ago. Uh, yeah. But occasionally, he just makes some mistakes that I, I get really frustrated with. I'm. I'm always really skeptical of just like non shooters at that size. And the fact that he's still the same free throw shooter. He is, he's still completely gun shy. I don't really think anything's going to come of him as a shooter. Um, I, I think he'll like get looks from teams when he comes out. He's got, he's got fans on our team at no ceilings. I, I know that there, we have people on our staff that like him. I've just never really been sold. I think he's an awesome college player. I, I just don't, see the fit for like six, seven completely unwilling to shoot guy, which like at least with an Enrique Freeman, I'm like, Hey, you're, you're trying and you're doing okay. Mm-hmm. Like if, if KJ Adams did that, like I, I probably have him like top 80 in <laughs> the very least. Cause he's yeah. so versatile defensively and so explosive at the rim that like, I, yeah, sure. I'd kick the tires on him at that point. But right now I'm, I'm more like, show me something as a shooter before I, I consider you an, an NBA guy. Uh, how do, you, how do you feel about KJ Adams? Yeah, shooting, no doubt, has to be the swing skill. I like how he's been able to impact a very talented Kansas team, doing a lot of different things. And he has the physical tools there with very nice frame, good size, the length, athleticism are all there. My thing with him outside of the shooting is what is the elite NBA skill? Is it the yeah. defense? Is it the versatility of the defense? And if it is versatility of his defense, is that truly an elite skill? Like, where does that kind of rank yeah. amongst the elite skills? So it's like, you know, he said, show me something. Like, show me what the elite skill is that when a coach is out there, put him in the game, what I know for sure is he going to do? I, I guess it's the fin, but is that an elite level? And is that someone that's draftable? Or are you look to kind of add him more around the margins, which I think is – going to be the route most teams go and look at to get him someone that X10 contract. Yeah. Cause that's, and that's a great point too. Cause it's like, and you've got to really kind of think he's going to be like an all defense team level defender. If you're going to like draft him, it, like you yeah. would have to be convinced that like the defense is so good that he can get away being like way behind the offensive skill and scoring curve. And I I'm not there. Like if, if he was putting up, ryan dunn level defensive numbers like then it's a conversation especially with like mm-hmm. pass like then he's almost like a t- <laughs> he's almost like a top 10 like i don't say top 20 pick but like he if if ryan dunn took no threes but could pass like that'd be a really interesting player uh it would be <laughs> yeah I, I i with kj adams though it's like he's not bad like he's he's just a really good mm-hmm. defender more than like the best defender in college basketball or anything but there's there's a path there's a path uh so we'll we'll wrap it up right there uh jam where can where can people find you and find your work and and follow along with your journey on social media oh man this is always a blast had 
a great time talking about these prospects and just being a part of these sicko conversations and everyone joining in as well in the chat. So appreciate y'all. Appreciate you, Maxwell. Um, you can find my work at Draft Digest and follow me where I'm doing most of my posting and public content on, on Twitter at Jam on the Boards. Um, and like I said, I really appreciate it. It's been a great sec- a sicko session. Absolutely. Yeah, it is always a pleasure to have you here. Like I said, when I was deep in the weeds, I was like, I know Jam has watched all these guys. <laughs> I know that he's able to come on the show and, and talk about these guys in depth. So one of the best guys in the space, make sure you were following him and, and following all the work that he puts out there. You're listening to him on Resball and following his work at Draft Digest. Uh, so thank you for joining us. Make sure you're following No Ceilings at No Ceilings NBA. Make sure you're following me at Boundboards on Twitter. Uh, check out the article this week on the NCAA statistical leaders. Uh, we got a big mid-major game of the week with Colorado State in it. Uh, a lot of interesting guys on that squad. And then some fun quick uh, quick hits in that column as well. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Jam, thanks again. And until next week, thank you all for joining us.